Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. clean up to do on aisle nine. So, you know, I want to be a person who um, gives you always accurate information. And when I give you information that proves not to be accurate, I totally appreciate that you call me out on it. You correct me. And so I want to offer a very robust here at the start of the hour correction to information um, that I offered late last week in relationship to the availability of Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters, I told you that um, it was not available on Amazon. Um, And it is available on Amazon. And so I wanted to um, correct that information. Uh, So if if you research the history of this, and by the way, it's a book I highly recommend. Again, Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters. Um, This conversation emerged um, when Amazon dropped from circulation when Harry became Sally, um, which is also an excellent book, but you have to go now to Barnes & Noble to get it. Okay, so um, Amazon and Target, both for a period of time, responded to trans activists to ban irreversible damage by Abigail Schreier for a period of time in late 2020. I was not aware of the fact that both Target and Amazon replatformed the item. So um, in in June of 2020, um, Amazon blocked, uh, brought, blocked the publisher um, of the book, uh, irreversible damage. The publisher is, I'm turning the book over now to see who the publisher is. I don't know. It should be easier to find. Oh, it's Regnery. So Salem, Salem Media, um, blocked them from advertising the book on Amazon. So if you can't advertise, if you can't make it known that you've published something, it's really hard then for people to what? Become aware of it and want to buy it. So um, the book is available on Amazon. And I wanted to thank the listener who corrected me and then be sure that I offered, you know, like a front page headline. Um, hey, it is available and I provided you with incorrect, incorrect information. And I want to be a trustworthy source of information. And so when I make a mistake, I, I certainly want to publicly correct it. All right. Um, congratulations are in order for my next guest. So for those of you who participated in the live, uh, the live stream event that I did with Nicole Phillips a couple of weeks ago, um, one of the things that you may remember is that there was a pig in galoshes in a painting in the background. Um, I don't even know if we talked about that during the, during the live stream event, but, um, <clears throat> I now have a copy of that. Uh, I now have a canvas with a, with a pig in galoshes, um, hanging here in my studio and it's super cute. And it was an act of kindness on the part of the kindness team, um, that Nicole is a part of. So Nicole Phillips, uh, congratulations are in order. She is spreading kindness. She has been recognized for it by the likes of Oprah. Yep, Oprah. So she joins me next to fan the flame of kindness as a part of our Faith Radio Kindness Always initiative. You can check that out at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be right back. 
All right, joining me now, Nicole Phillips. Uh, she's a kindness uh, advocate. She's the author of The Negativity Remedy, uh, Kindness is Contagious, Kindness is Courageous. Uh, she has an excellent kindness podcast, and you can find her at NicoleJPhillips.com. Nicole, welcome back. Well, hi. You're making me feel awfully, awfully good on a Monday morning, Carmen. Thank you. I, I love my pig. Okay, funny story behind the pig and kindness. Uh, you know... It wasn't actually me. It was Sarah, a member of my kindness team, who said, you know, Carmen mentioned that pig. And I said, I didn't hear her mention it. She goes, I think we should send her one. I said, we don't need to send her a pig picture, like whatever. And Sarah was just adamant. And I finally said, go for it. I don't care. And and (laughs) it's so cute. It's so cute. I I think that pigs should wear galoshes and they should and they should wear little uh I don't know. Is that a little flower crown? I don't know. Anyway, it's really cute. It makes me very, very happy. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, it just, it goes to show how important it is to be surrounded by people who continue to remind you of the importance of kindness because I was going to let it go. So, yes. So, all right, let's talk about um, kindness. Um, Let's encourage people to surprise and delight someone else today. Bring us a, a current kindness story that has you smiling smiling oh my goodness okay well I have one but it's it's not it's not super current except that I think about it all the time and this man called me recently so I used to work out in Fargo North Dakota and we lived there at the YMCA and there was this guy named Ralph and he had this bright white silver hair and this big smile. And every day I would show up at the gym, not wanting to be there. And to be frank, I was on the edge of an alcoholic. So I was also showing up every morning hungover. Well, Ralph didn't know any of that, but he knew my name. And every morning he would hand me a towel and he'd say, good morning. How you doing today, Nicole? And you, you, you come across someone like that and you have to smile. And so I would say, well, hi, Ralph, I'm doing great. And so I was thinking about that the other day when I was thinking about how much we feel sometimes, like we need to know the intent of our kindness and where it should land and, you know, what's going on in that person's life before we jump in and just act with kindness, like needing to know, like, would she like a pig canvas. I don't know. Like, she really, <laughs> that's weird. like, is that, I don't know. Like you feel like you have to know. And Ralph just taught me, you don't have to know anything. You just have to show up and give what you have to give that day, which for him was just this great bit of encouragement to me. Now I wrote about that recently in uh, my kindness is contagious column because I was thinking about it and Ralph found out, you know, he, he read it in the paper and he called me and he said, Nicole, you don't know how much encouragement you gave me every day when you smiled back. And Mm -hmm. that is kindness to me, Carmen, that it is contagious. It does circle around and we don't ever know or need to know if it's going to find its right landing place because that's not our job. That's God's job, right? That's exactly right. Um, So I, I appreciate how sort of just like in the rhythm of life, that story um, comes because I think there are folks who feel like if I'm going to participate in a kindness initiative, if I'm going to, you know, have to do an intentional act of kindness every day, it's going to be burdensome. I'm going to have to think a lot about it. What Nicole and I are advocating is that you would simply um, allow the kindness of the Lord, which has been demonstrated to you, and the Holy Spirit, which is operating within the life of a believer, 
just let it out into the life of other people and let God do his thing. Like it's fruit that God is more than happy to um, to grow in your life and to give to others. So we're talking about kindness. If you're not already participating in Faith Radio's Kindness Always initiative, I'd invite you to do so. You can do so at MyFaithRadio.com. You can find Nicole and her Kindness is Contagious column, as well as her Oprah Magazine number three ranked kindness podcast at NicoleJPhillips.com. Nicole, let's talk about that. I think you were surprised to discover that the Kindness Podcast is number three um, on the list of best happiness podcasts that'll uplift you, um, rated by Oprah, Oprah Magazine. Yeah, it's pretty funny because it's a big joke that I don't like numbers. I don't pay any attention to number. The only number that's important to me is one, because if I can affect one person, then I know that God has used me as his vessel, right? That's it. That's all I need. Um, But when you run a business that way, it's not very helpful. So (laughs) I have people who help me to take care of the numbers, like are, are we moving in the right direction sort of numbers. And so I had no idea that this Oprah magazine article had come out and it had talked about us none until I had a guest on the kindness podcast, um, last week who said, Hey, congratulations on Oprah. And I was like, huh? <laughs> You're like, was I on Oprah? Cause I totally missed that. <laughs> right. Like, isn't that something you remember? And, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely thought that this guest was punking me and just being funny. Um, nope. It turned out to be the real deal. So you know, thank you to whoever is on Oprah's staff who who found us. It was pretty cool. That is awesome. It also reminds me, Nicole, that one one act of kindness that everybody listening right now um, could participate in. You could get today's podcast of this show, or you could go and get um, Nicole's podcast and share it with somebody else. Because I guarantee you that whoever it is on Oprah's staff that found um, the kindness podcast found it because somebody shared it with them. So one act of kindness can simply be sharing really good resources that bless you with others. And so let me encourage you to consider doing that today. Nicole Phillips and I are going to take a very brief break. Um, When we come back, we're going to um, talk a little bit more about kindness stories. We're going to share a few more kindness stories. And then I'm going to remind you of the principle of BOLO. What does it mean to just be on the lookout for opportunities to be kind? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance, oh Lord, knowing that you kindness. If you're not already signed up for it, join us in Faith Radio's Kindness Always initiative. You can do that at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, you can find Nicole at NicoleJPhillips.com. Nicole, um, tell us another kindness story. <laughs> I would love to. It's my favorite thing to do. Uh, how about this one? There was a young man who loves, loves, loves baseball. And he was actually um, at a high school event and his baseball coach came up to visit with him. And, you know, he just a coach is just a special, special person. And, you know, when a coach wants to talk to you, that's a big deal. Well, as this uh, high schooler was talking to his coach, uh, there was a girl from his school who has some uh, special needs. And she was in the the concession stand and and she started to yell for the boy, come here, come here, come here. And um, he's wearing his football jersey. So, so he excused himself from talking with the coach and he walked over to the girl and she just wanted to to see his jersey. She wanted to touch it. She just wanted to talk with him. And um, and 
the librarian of that school was in the concession stand at the same time. And she took the next step and the next day she she called the principal and she said, do you know that this kid was talking to somebody he really admires and then someone who admires him called him over. And so he left his conversation and he just spent some some really nice time uh, with this girl and gave her all kinds of attention. And, you know, they just had a nice interaction. It just warmed my heart. Well, then the principal went the next step and he called the kid into his office, said, you know, if I had a million bucks, I'd give, give you a mil- million bucks, but I don't. So I'm going to give you a free pizza. <laughs> and the kid uh, was delighted, but he said, I don't understand. Like, what's the big deal? And, um, and I think mm-hmm. that that is really what's special is the kid was going about his life, just doing what w- felt natural and what felt right. Um, so, so that, see, I love that. I love that it is, it becomes our second nature. In fact, we want it to become our nature. We want it to become natural for us to simply sow kindness, cultivate kindness, produce the, a harvest of righteousness, spread kindness all the time, everywhere, in every direction, without concern or regard to what God does with it. Um, and that kind of, uh, of witness in the world would change things. That would be a powerful witness to the world if Christians would simply by nature be kind. Unfortunately, so many Christians are by nature unkind, which is a false witness to who, to who Christ is. Right. And it's interesting. I have a daughter who works at Target and she says, gosh, mom, Saturdays and Sundays are so hard because people come in and they yell at me. And I'm like, what? Yeah, they yell because they have to wear a mask or, you know, because I, I didn't bag their stuff the right way. They just say really rude, snippy comments. And I think I wonder how many of those people would consider themselves to be Christ followers. I just I'm curious about it, you know, and, and sometimes we don't see that it's the little things that we do. It's the tiny things. This is not a Kindness is not a weight loss plan. It's not a monthly budget. It's just the way that we interact with each person as we go about our day. And so, you know, if if we are Christ followers, like it all matters. The little words, Mm -hmm. the little time, it all matters. It all matters. All right. Tell me a little bit about if people tune in at 1030 today or Wednesday, they're actually going to hear you on Family Life Today here on the Faith Radio Network. Um, what are you talking about in that kindness interview? Oh, my goodness. That was so fun. Uh, I actually got to go to Little Rock, Arkansas and do this interview, which will run in over the person? course. In that's person? In so, person. Okay, that's so fun. Just that is fun. It was so neat. It was really neat to be in the studios and be able to to visit face-to-face and so we we talked about the negativity remedy and really mm, some of those mm. tools for rerouting our brain. And it's it's really what we're talking about right here. It's like this idea that, you know what, I'm too tired for kindness. I am grumpy today. Uh, this person bumped into my happiness. They did not do it the way that I wanted them to do it. And they need to know that. Uh, so what is the what's the alternative to that sort of thinking? And if our brain naturally wants to go in that direction, how do we train ourselves, retrain ourselves so that instead of our, you know, first nature being of what we want in the flesh, that we can actually retrain our brain so that we can see the goodness and the whole situation before we make a judgment, before we make an action. All right. I'm talking with Nicole Phillips. You can find her at NicoleJPhillips.com. 
Um, Nicole, when we think about kindness, I think that one of my go-to lines actually comes from my friend Jessica in Atlanta. And her little, I think I've told you this before, you know, her little standard is BOLO, be on the lookout for opportunities. She is... um, she is like you, a kindness provocateur. And uh, like even just over the weekend, you can tell Jessica runs into people in random locations and then she just takes to her her own personal Facebook page and she just celebrates those people publicly. So you will appreciate this story. She um, ran into a friend of hers, Sharon Trent, um, who was with a friend of hers. And that guy used to be a lobbyist, like at kind of the highest levels of things. And then he retired and now he's, you know, he's gotten older but he is passionate. He turned his passion toward rescuing cats. So he's now rescued like 750 cats. Like if your cat goes up a tree and won't come down or gets stuck somewhere, who do you call? Well, apparently, if you're in the greater Atlanta area, you call this guy and he rescues your cat. I'm just saying like that's he is an act of kindness person. And then Jessica used her social media to celebrate that she'd met this kindness person. And it, it can be so you can actually become a little ministry. Your kindness initiative, your, the way that God provokes you to be kind to other people could become a thing. Absolutely. It, it has. I mean, it became a thing for me. I think it's become a thing for you. Uh, I think, though, when you tell me the story about that man, all I can think of is like a little girl standing at the bottom of the tree, like crying because her cat is up there. Right. Like this stuff matters to people. It's like. Right. Yeah. You maybe don't set out on on. OK, this is going to be my purpose. This is going to be my calling. Uh, but be on the lookout and and God will lead you to where he wants you. It's just so fun. All right. We love talking with you. Thank you, Nicole. Um, Congratulations on the Kindness Podcast. We love the Kindness is Contagious column. You guys can find Nicole, her books. Uh, You can connect with her. She'll come and talk to your group. You can find her at NicoleJPhillips.com. As always, my friend, thank you so much. And tell Sarah, thank you for my pigs in in boots picture. Sure. I will. Thanks, Carmen. Always a joy. (laughs) We'll talk again soon. That's Nicole Phillips. We'll be right back. All right, for those of you who are fans of Jamie Ivey, she needs no introduction. For those of you who do not know Jamie Ivey, maybe I'll just say um, she's written some books. She's done some stuff. Uh, she has a really popular podcast. She lives in Austin, Texas. She's married to pastor and songwriter Aaron Ivey, and she's a complementarian. What? How do women with really extraordinarily uh, large ministry platforms continue to lay claim to the term complementarian. What does that really mean? What does it mean to complement one another in marriage? Jamie and Aaron have actually written complimentary texts on the topic, the book or books. Yes, we're going to start with that question. Is or are compliment a surprising beauty of choosing together over separate in marriage? Jamie Ivey is up next. This is Max Lucado. In his later years, Beethoven spent hours playing a broken harpsichord. The instrument was worthless. Keys were missing, strings stretched. It was out of tune, harsh on the ears. Nonetheless, the great pianist would play till tears came down his cheeks. You'd think he was hearing the sublime, and he was. He was deaf. Beethoven was hearing the sound the instrument should make, not the one it did make. 
Maybe you feel like Beethoven's harpsichord, out of tune, inadequate, your service ill-timed, insignificant. Ever wonder what God does when the instrument is broken? How does the master respond when the keys don't work? Does he demand a replacement? Or does he patiently tune until he hears the song he longs to hear? I want you to know that the master musician fixes what we can't and hears music when we don't. And he loves to hear the music that comes from your life. This is Max Locato. Joining me now, Jamie Ivey, creator and host of the popular podcast, The Happy Hour, and lots of other things I could tell you about her. Aaron Ivey, the worship pastor at the Austin Stone in Austin, Texas, um, also a songwriter, an artist. Jamie and Aaron are married to each other, and they have written some books, the latest of which is entitled Compliment, The Surprising Beauty of Choosing Together Over Separate in Marriage. Jamie and Aaron, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Carmen. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Okay, so I, I, it's a surprise and delight that you're both here. Um, yay, let's, yeah. I Thank know. You. Yay. Okay, let's start with Jamie. Jamie, um, this book is um, weird in that it's, <laughs> it looks like two books. And, and so talk with us about the book that really is written in two halves and your name appears on one and Aaron's name appears on the other. Talk about the book, which feels like books. Well, Carmen, it is a book that feels like books. You're right about that. And so I know it's weird and awkward, but that's how we do things around here. You know, we're in Austin, so we got to keep everything weird. Um, we wanted to write a marriage book, but we wanted it to be not your typical marriage book. And so Aaron and I both wanted to write from our own heart and point of view and, and the way that we've learned and grown through marriage. And we did that. Let me tell you something else, Carmen, about the books is we each wrote our own half and then we never even read each other's until the editing process. So we really were going into it like I'm going to write a book on marriage. Aaron's going to write a book on marriage. But our hope and prayer is that the wife would read one and the husband or the, you know, the, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, whatever that looks like. And then they would switch. And so you really get one full book. It's just two halves, but we put them in two books because we want to keep it different. Keep you on your toes. Yeah, I totally love that. So Aaron books, um, you guys have each written lots of books. Um, we all know that books like grow out of something. There's some soil out of which a book grows. Talk about, um, the place or the space out of which this book grows. Yeah. You know, there's two books that Jamie and I said that we would never write. We said we'd never write a book on parenting and we'd never write a book on marriage <laughs> because it felt like you have to be an expert on something before you write a book about it. And Jamie and I definitely are not experts on marriage. But about three years ago, we were on a writing trip um, with a couple of other writers and we were just brainstorming, like, what what kind of books could we write? What are, What's our experience? What are we passionate about? And Jamie and I have found ourselves just in so many conversations with other couples about marriage, because we don't have a perfect marriage, but for whatever reason, we have stumbled across a really healthy one. And so we wanted to write something that would be really helpful to people who were entering into marriage or people who were married that would hopefully help them navigate through something so so complex and so hard like marriage so they could have a really healthy, beautiful marriage. So, um, Jamie, I'm going to direct this question to you. The, okay. the title, the title is compliment, which is absolutely going to lead some people to expand the word to complementarian. Uh -huh. um, 
only <laughs> only people in one you know subset of Christendom are going to understand why that word might be hard for some people to hear or the context of it. So let's just wait around for a moment in yeah. why is the book entitled Compliment and how do you and Aaron um, compliment one another in marriage? You know, it's funny that you say that because you're right. It is just certain people would maybe think that and see that. And throughout the book, we never use any of those words. And, you know, I personally think those words come with a lot of baggage. I mean, it's like, wait, there's so much depth to what you believe about what God's word says about marriage that it's hard to sum it up in just one word. And so that's not where this book is coming at at all. It is not a theological stance. It is not a here's um, what we believe to be true. We take the scriptures and we say how it has played out in our marriage. And so for us, we think that um, two people within a marriage, a husband and a wife, that they really are set up to complement each other. We believe that there are God-given roles within a marriage, uh, but we think so many times within the church, those God-given roles are the highlight, and it's all someone wants to talk about. And we're saying, hey, let's kind of step back a little bit and look like, what does it look to be um, you know, a faithful servant to each other, the husband serving the wife and the wife serving the husband? And what does it look like for the wife to be the husband's biggest cheerleader and for the husband to be the wife's biggest cheerleader? And so... Um, that word that you mentioned, complementarian, it's not in the book. The book is not a theological stance, but we do believe that God has a really unique and beautiful plan for marriage and how he set it up and how husband and wife truly can complement each other and bring out the best in each other within a marriage. So um, I want to know, Aaron, um, how how writing this book and particularly the the editing process, which you guys talk a little bit about um, as well, um, how how your marriage has changed, or maybe how your experience as a husband to Jamie has changed, and and how it has affected other things like your songwriting or your ministry. Yeah, so Jamie and I we're twenty years into marriage now, and I look back to when we first got married and um, our marriage has changed a whole lot. We've been through two really hard years, 2010 and 2020 were really difficult years for us. And I think the, the way it's changed the most profoundly is now more than ever, we are so committed to making our marriage work. There's not a, a hint of, man, we're going to give up or a hint of this is too hard. I want to bail. After 20 years, it's like, man, now more than ever, we want to lean in and do all the hard work, all the intentional work to keep our marriage really thriving, um, not only for each other, but for our kids, for the community around us. We we believe that marriage has a mission. Marriage is not just meant to benefit the two people that are in it, but marriage is meant to benefit the whole community, the people around them. We've been around a couple of married couples throughout our life that have been so life-giving to us, so life-changing to us. And that's the kind of path that Jamie and I are on now. I, I think it's changed a lot about songwriting and art and all that kind of stuff because I truly am now, after all of this, these years of work, doing life with my best friend, doing life with somebody that I know at the end of the day has my back. And that kind of marriage takes a lot of work, but it's possible. Jamie and I don't have like just this ideal marriage that nobody else can get. It's something that takes work. It takes intentionality. And it's something that God wants every marriage to experience. I love that you highlight that marriage um, has a mission. Mm. And I think that's essential. Like if, if mm. people go into marriage and they don't understand 
um, what God is up to, not just in terms of their own personal happiness or sexual gratification or whatever, like the the things that we might imagine marriage is about. Um, if you don't go in recognizing, or if at some point you don't develop the understanding that there is more to your marriage than your own personal um, delight, yeah, um, right. Then then I think you give up, or people tend to give up, and so um, I so appreciate how honest each of you is in the book um, about hard things. It's just mm. so important for people to hear. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right, let's take a very brief break. Um, when we come back, um, can we talk a little bit about your family? And, yeah. Um, and I want to ask some questions that I have been wanting to ask since you appeared on um, Conversations with a Black Man. Okay. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So uncomfortable conversations with a black man, now uncomfortable with uh, Jamie and Aaron Ivy on Mornings with Carmen, because, you know, Carmen will ask anything. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm continuing my conversation with Aaron and Jamie Ivy. Um, we have been talking about their new book, Compliment, The Surprising Beauty of Choosing Together Over Separate in Marriage. Um, Jamie and Aaron have also very, very openly shared their birth and adoption stories um, publicly, and they appeared um, on an episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, and it is awesome, and you should watch it on YouTube. Um, Jamie, uh, let's just start by, hey, brief people in on your family um, and then talk a little bit about the experience of appearing um, uh, on that particular uh, program. Yeah. So, you know, Emmanuel Acho, uh, we're familiar with him because he went to our church when he played here at the University of Texas. And so uh, we know each other. And this summer, he sent me a message and he said, hey, tell me about this picture. And I had posted a picture of our family at the beach. He said, I'm confused. Are all these kids yours? <laughs> and so I said, yes, these are my kids. And so our oldest, we have four teenagers. Our oldest is our only biological. And then we have um, two kids that we had brought home from, that we adopted from Haiti. And then we have a son that we adopted domestically. So our family, we've got all different colors and shades and backgrounds and um, DNA and all kinds of things. And so that's our family. And Emmanuel said, hey, would you be willing to come on and talk about parenting um, black children. And I said, yes, but first I need to make sure you're not going to throw my babies under the bus. And so we had a conversation and, and we trust Emmanuel and we love the work that he's doing. And so it was, it was a real big honor for our family. And I think Aaron and I said a thousand times after that show, man, we are so proud of our kids because Aaron and I have these hard conversations all the time. And my kids are just kids living their lives, you know, wondering when their next their snack is and if we can take them to the mall. You know, that's that's the life they're living. So we were so proud of the maturity it took. And we asked each of them and we said to Emmanuel, whichever kid says yes, we'll come on with. But we're not going to make anyone do it. Yeah, it was um, it was extraordinary. Aaron, anything that you want to just add to that before I ask, um, you know, more piercing questions? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're, we're, we will embrace the uncomfortable piercing questions for sure. Um, yeah, I think we were we were just super proud of our kids because, uh, you know, I think we underestimate um, what 
teenagers in America are thinking and, and uh, sometimes we sell them short and think that they are just, you know, just teenagers, just oblivious, but they're not. Teenagers are, are thinking through deep, complex things like race and um, like the difficult things that, um, you know, culture is taking us through right now. And so we're really proud of them. I think it exposed that uh, that our kids and other teenagers are wrestling through very deep things and have some really interesting thoughts about what the world should be and what the world can be. So I'm actually really hopeful about the future, um, uh, you know, of of our culture and of America, just based on like what what teenagers are wrestling through right now. We have four teenagers. Um, they are uh, multicolored. I'm just going to use that term. <laughs> I like um, it. Yeah, Jamie, what um, what worries you about raising a black son in America today? How much time do we have, Carmen? Mm -hmm. um, a, a lot worries me. I mean, a lot worries me. We talked about that in the conversation with Emmanuel a little bit, um, just with um, the differences that my black son will be, um, the assumptions that will be made about him just because he is, his skin is dark. Um, and because he's 15, but he looks 18 and because he has really big muscles and because assumptions we made, and that makes me really nervous. You know, I mean, I tell him all the time, sometimes I'm even like, Hey, you pull your hoodie down when we go out. I mean, I just want you to feel unthreatening. And I hate that because I shouldn't have to do that. Um, you know, we, this came up on the show as well is that, you know, we have a rule, we have three boys and whenever we are out someplace, I tell my boys, you can never be alone. Like you have to be with a brother because I just have a fear of my son walking around alone and people assuming things about him. Um, you know, and in the in the conversation, you know, one of the most moving moments was when our daughter's story started crying. And that was completely just, I mean, we were in the room and we were like, oh my gosh, I, I, I wanted to get off my chair and go over mm -hmm. there. Uh, but I couldn't, you know, um, but she had a real concern, um, you know, of her brothers, of something happening to them. And so, you know, Aaron said that teenagers are wrestling with this and we have these conversations at our house all the time. Um, and so as a mom to a black son, I have a lot of worries about his future. So um, the parenting book that, you know, is coming after the marriage book <laughs> that you were never going to write. <laughs> so maybe that one should have six halves. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. We always say if we do write a parenting book, we're going to write our little section and then we'll let our kids like, rebuttal yeah. it. Be like, totally. Uh, I don't know. Totally. About that, <laughs> <laughs> totally. 100%. Okay. So um, I think that there are people listening right now and they're saying, um, all right, I don't have a black child, but I do have a white child and mm -hmm. I, and I have concerns for them as well. Um, yeah. either one of you pick that up. Um, what fears do you have, um, for your white son? Uh, mm, wow. Not as many as I have for my black son. I'll, I'll say that. I think the fear that I would have for my white son is that he wouldn't, uh, leave our house like educated, not just in academics, but educated in culture, educated in our history, educated in how to actually have eyes that are open to see, uh, the suffering of um, of people of color in America, that would be my biggest, I, you know, fear for him or desire for him. And and I think any parent that's raising white kids in America um, should make sure that, that they are like 
educated about things like this, like things like race in America, so that they're sent out, that are able to have eyes wide open and ears wide open and actually react to it and be sensitive to it and be agents of change in the world. Which one of the things that I think is great, Carmen, is that our white son is surrounded by people of color uh, because those are his siblings. And so, you know, Aaron and I say all the time that our life was changed when we became in when when we get in proximity with someone who is different than us or hurting or has a different life story, whether that be someone experiencing homelessness, someone experiencing addiction, someone who's a different skin color than us. Like proximity changes the way you see the world. And so I'm really, really grateful, even though I agree with the fears that Aaron said that I would have as well. I'm so grateful that my oldest, Caden, has this built-in proximity to people that are different than him. And I'm just hopeful for that, that that does help him have eyes to see and have a heart for what breaks the heart of God. And that he would see people's unique circumstances, not just as a statistic or as what somebody else said on a, on a, on a TV show, but he would see like, this is my brother, this is my sister. Mm-hmm how I see the world and I believe them because that's what they're saying their life experience is. Um, Children who are born to other mothers or children who um, the world looks at and sees difficulty or special needs, for those of us who have those kids in our homes, sometimes it is hard to um, even, well, why do we feel like we have to explain ourselves? Maybe I'll start with that. Um, to people who don't have anybody in their house that's not biologically, you know, born to them? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just because, I mean, I mean, the hard part is, yes, I get that. But I also say that, like, man, I've, I've learned so much in my lifetime by people teaching me things. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you an example. My best friend since ninth grade, her daughter you know, has autism and is nonverbal and she's 18 years old. And my life is different from the past 18 years of watching my friend parent her daughter. And so I have this beautiful experience of understanding just from a small lens of looking in through her life. And so as much as it is difficult to explain, the people that are close to you like it's life changing for them to get to do life with you. You know, our our life is different because of our friend Cash, who also has autism and, and we go on family vacation with every year like that changes the way our kids see life. It changes the way we see life. And so I 100 percent hear what you're saying, because it can be absolutely exhausting. But Aaron and I like to look at who are the people that we're in close proximity with and how do we allow them into our world so that we can walk through life together with them? Okay, that makes me just want to ask, um, have you had Amy Julia Becker on your program? And if not, man, you need to know her. You guys would love each other. I've been on a trip with her to the border in Texas and Mexico. I had her on. She's lovely, lovely, lovely. Yeah, so she just, I love her too. Okay, so I love you guys. You guys are so much fun. Um, Please check out the Happy Hour podcast, uh, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. Check out the brand new book, Compliment. Yes, for those of you who have texted in, it's with an E. Compliment with an E, not an I. There you go. Um, Although it's important for us to compliment one another um, as well. So um, love you guys so much. Thank you for joining us today. Blessings upon you and your family. Thanks, Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right. I want you to encourage someone today. I literally want you to be of encouragement to someone else today. There is somebody that you follow on social media or Um, the pastor at your church or some person in leadership somewhere 
who feels discouraged today. And I want you to be an agent of encouragement in their life. You can do that. You and I can encourage someone else today. Send them a text message, give them a phone call, certainly pray for them, but then tell them that you have done so. You cannot imagine the impact and influence that you have by praying for people and then telling them that you have prayed for them. Be encouraging today. Whatever scripture passage it is that you're reading today, I want you to think to yourself, how could I pray this passage of scripture for someone that I know? So you're in, you know, you're in the gospel of Mark chapter three today. Who do you know whose life is withered, who needs to be renewed in Christ? Who do you know um, whom, whom Christ is calling to follow after him? Um, who do you know that's, that's wondering about their access to Jesus? Just go ahead and encourage them today. Um, pray for them and then let, you know, let them know that you, um, that you have prayed for them. That's my encouragement to each of us today to go forth and to do good. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.